This podcast audio is from Episode 9, Recognizing and Managing Panic Attacks, a conversation with Adriana Cortez Cantor, LCSW, from my YouTube channel, Being Happy Anyway with Glenn, also available on Instagram, Facebook, and the website, beinghappyanywaywithglenn.com. To see the visual content featured in this episode, please visit the published episode on beinghappyanywaywithglenn.com. What is a panic attack? What does a panic attack look like and what causes it? In this episode, Adriana and I discuss panic disorder and share insights into how to manage it. We're back with Adriana and today we're going to talk about panic disorder or panic attacks. She has prepared a PowerPoint for us and she's going to guide us through it. Adriana? What is a panic attack? If anybody's ever experienced one, they definitely know what it is. And here's a little video clip to maybe give you somewhat of an idea. I'm having a tough time breathing. My heart's beating fast. I'm starting to have a tough time breathing. My palms are sweaty. My heart is racing. Oh crap, now I'm starting with the shakes. Okay. Looks like I'm having a panic attack. Okay. What can I do? Okay. Time to become aware and do something about it. One, I can panic. Two, I can do some breathing exercises to possibly calm me down. I don't want to panic. And I'm feeling overwhelmed. So, I think I'm going to go with the breathing exercises. Here goes. Let's go into the research version of it. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, panic disorder or having a panic attack is people with panic attacks have a sudden and repeated attacks of fear that last for several minutes or longer. These are called panic attacks. Panic attacks are characterized by a fear of disaster or losing control, even when there's no real danger. A person may also have a strong physical reaction during a panic attack, kind of like the video, the palpitations, the sweatiness, the shortness of breath. A person may also feel actually like you're having a heart attack because of the palpitations that sometimes panic attacks can bring on. Panic attacks can occur at any time and many people with panic disorder worry about the dread or the possibility of having another one. There's different kinds of panic attacks. There's the kind that people experience when they're exposed to maybe smaller confined spaces and that's more along the lines of agoraphobia, or they used to call it claustrophobia, when things are kind of either closing in on you, or maybe people just can't be in large crowded spaces. Um, they experience a panic attack or the panic attack feeling when they're exposed to those smaller confined spaces as well. But then there's the other kinds of panic attacks where you could just be sitting there out of the blue and then all of a sudden here come like a wave of all sorts of different symptoms. So what is panic disorder? It often begins in late teens or early adulthood. Everybody's different. Some people get them really young. Some people get them in later adulthood. A lot of the times panic attacks can come about due to stress, maybe even significant life changes. Recently with the pandemic going on, I've noticed in both private practice and my other work setting 
there's a lot of people struggling with panic attacks right now. Maybe it's also having to do with the increase in anxiety in general. People just being indoors can make you anxious and antsy. A lot of people have never maybe even had a panic attack before, but because of the pandemic and the isolation and the combination of just everything that's going on, people can start feeling overwhelmed and out of the blue, they end up at the emergency room and they swear they're thinking they're having a, a heart attack because of the palpitations or other types of symptoms. And then when they get seen and they find nothing wrong, they just say, oh, you probably just had a panic attack. But in the medical field, they don't always necessarily tell you <laughs> what you're supposed to do. They'll just probably give you a referral to go talk to either a therapist or someone in the mental health field. But unfortunately, it does affect more women <laughs> than men. So sorry, ladies. It can also <laughs> affect your ability to function in things like school, work, or even home. One of the first times I personally had a panic attack was actually in college. It was a combination of I had just lost my grandmother I was away from home. I think it was like midterms or finals and I just, the mind and the body are connected. And all of a sudden I, I couldn't breathe. My heart was racing. I kind of almost passed out and I had no idea. And I was trying to wonder, how am I gonna finish studying and doing my exams and doing everything else that I can, that I know I needed to? Eventually I figured out a way, but for some people it can actually be very debilitating. They can't function, they can't go to school, they can't go to work. They can't just function in general without that intense overwhelming fear overcoming them. And also, unfortunately, it does also run in some families. So there's probably some sort of genetic predisposition. If it runs in your family, it does probably make you a bit more susceptible to them. Next you know, slide. I wonder too, Adriana, the fact that it runs in families, in addition to the genetic component, if sometimes children have seen panic and anxiety modeled from their parents, and that when problems begin to emerge, that instead of being calm and realizing that every problem has a solution and that even though life isn't perfect, it can be okay. That if we panic and worry and doubt and catastrophize, we might be teaching others that that's what we're supposed to be doing when the going gets tough. Yeah. Monkey see, monkey do, right? Right. <laughs> Unfortunately. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And kids pick up on everything, the good and the bad, unfortunately. So yeah, I think that may be a little related as well. If you're watching your mom, your dad, or grandma, grandpa have one and see them get overwhelmed with whatever it is that they were doing at the time, you're right. Maybe they can say, oh, well, is that the normal way then to react to, to some sort of stressor? And, and consciously, maybe they pick up on those cues. Yeah. As you were talking about the number of people that go to the emergency room thinking that they're having a heart attack, I've read, I can't confirm it, that about half of the people that go into the emergency room thinking that they're having a heart attack are actually having a panic attack. That's good news, though, because a panic attack isn't going to kill us. Yes, but, exactly. <laughs> Although it feels that way. It, it feels that way. Yeah. It does. But you can't die from a panic attack, but it needs to be addressed, like you said. Yeah. And that hopefully working with a therapist and reading some books, that we can find ways that we can restore calm. Because when we don't restore calm, it can paralyze us. I like how you put there, it can affect our ability to function in things like school, work, home life, where we can be paralyzed with fear. Yeah. So these are some of the signs and symptoms of panic disorder, according to the DSM-5. Palpitations heart is pounding, sweating, trembling or shaking, 
sensations of shortness of breath or smothering, feelings of choking. For some people, actually, they literally feel their throat closing, like they just can't swallow at all, chest pain or discomfort, nausea or abdominal distress, feeling dizzy, unsteady, lightheaded, or even faint. Some people can actually faint from having a panic attack. If you're hyperventilating through the shortness of breath and that oxygenated blood isn't getting to the brain, what do you think is going to happen? Syncope. You're going to pass out. Chills or heat sensation. So some people get hot, some people get cold, some people get both. Fancy word, uh, paresthesias, which is basically just like a numbing or tingling sensation. Some people get it throughout their entire body. Some people only get it either like on the tips of their fingers or their feet. Everybody's different. A derealization. Sometimes when people are having a panic attack, they feel like they're not in this world or kind of somewhere else. Or maybe even depersonalization when you're feeling detached from yourself. Sometimes people can almost feel like they're outside of their own body looking in and watching themselves going through the panic attack. It's a really odd sensation. Unfortunately, I've experienced that one too. And then there's also the fear of losing control or going crazy and the fear of dying. So typically you need a combination of like maybe four to six of these in order for it to be considered a panic attack. And it's usually like back to back to back to back to back. The symptoms can come kind of in domino order. First you get the trigger symptom, the one that kind of gets everything started. And that's really important to find out early on what starts your panic attack. Because if you can identify what your trigger symptom is, then that means you can also learn how to stop it before it turns into a full-blown panic attack. How to treat panic attacks. So you definitely need to talk to your doctor because a lot of people do think that they may be having a heart attack and there is a possibility that they may be having a panic attack and a heart attack at the same time. So it's really important for you to still see your doctor and rule out any biological factors to rule out biological. And if it's not biological, then you go to the psychological. Psychotherapy, and in particular, CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, it teaches you different ways of thinking, behaving, and reacting to the feelings that come with a panic attack. So CBT, you know, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. If you're able to identify that trigger symptom, um, that emotion right away, then you can also learn to control the thought and the feeling that come afterwards. Medication. There are certain medications that can also help with the panic attacks. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, are antidepressants like maybe Prozac, Zoloft is a good SSRI. Serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, SNRIs, can also be very helpful. And both the SSRIs and the SNRIs are not habit-forming at all. And we'll talk about some of the other medications. Some beta blockers can also help out. And for sure, benzodiazepines. The only problem, but something that you need to be mindful of with benzodiazepines is that if there is a, a history of addiction in your family, I would be very mindful when taking these particular medications because benzodiazepines can be highly addictive. And those are the Xanax, lorazepam, temazepams, all those PAMs that just kind of kick in right away and make you feel nice and... <sighs> Well, they do that for a reason because they're supposed to be helping out with something as intense as a panic attack, but sometimes people take them recreationally because it does give them that instant <sighs> relaxation feeling. So just be very mindful with the benzodiazepines. No matter what, all of these medications need to be prescribed by a doctor, whether it's a, a medical doctor or a psychiatrist. But ideally, the most aggressive way to treat panic attacks would be both 
therapy and medication. The medication is going to help a lot with the physical components of the panic attack and helping with, you know, maybe taking a little bit of the edge off in general. But the therapy is what's going to help you figure out why am I going through these to begin with? What are my triggers? Is my work too stressful for me right now? Are my kids maybe and virtual learning? A lot of parents I know are feeling extremely stressed and overwhelmed and dealing with the virtual learning and having to use a computer and interact online. It's a completely new experience and it could be overwhelming, but until maybe you start talking to someone in the professional field, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to figure out what's triggering your panic attacks to begin with. Here are some very basic breathing exercises someone can start to do if you think you may be having a panic attack. And again, it, it all starts off with making sure that you're aware of what your symptoms are. So if you have a chance, maybe review that other previous slide on your own time. And if you catch yourself saying, okay, yes, I do I get shortness of breath, I do get the palpitations, I do get the tingling sensation throughout my body. Make a list of what your symptoms are and pay attention to which one of those symptoms in general is your trigger symptom. Once you identify what that trigger symptom is, that's when you're supposed to stop whatever you're doing. Find somewhere to either sit down or lay down. I say sit down or lay down because for some people, when you start to hyperventilate so much, you can actually faint or pass out. So that's why I always say sit down or lay down, because if you're sitting down or laying down and you do happen to pass out, you may get a, a little bump on the head or something minor. But if you're up and about walking and you pass out, now you could get a concussion, you can get a broken nose. It depends on what you were doing. You could really hurt yourself if you end up passing out. Identify your trigger symptom. Once you identify what that trigger symptom is, that should be your cue to do some breathing exercises. And the breathing exercises really entail you sitting down with your feet flat on the floor, your hands nice and relaxed to your sides. Then you take a deep breath in through your nose, hold it for five seconds, and slowly let it out through your mouth. When you take a big deep breath, it should be deep enough to the point that your chest should expand. You hold it for five seconds, and then when you slowly let it out through your mouth, purse your lips like this, so that when you're letting it out, you're also slowly letting it out, not just letting it out completely. You wanna slowly let it out to calm yourself down. And then also, as you're slowly exhaling through your mouth, your shoulders should be gradually dropping. And ideally, you're doing some diaphragm breathing where you're pushing with your tummy, kind of like when we blow air into a balloon. When we blow air into a balloon, we try to get in as much air as we can from that one blow. And we go as much as we can just like that. So I'm gonna practice one of these breathing exercises real quick so that you can get a better idea of what I'm talking about. And again, deep breath in through your nose, chest expands, deep breath out slowly through your mouth, pursing your lips, pushing with your tummy, and as you're slowly letting it out, your shoulders should be gradually dropping. That's how you should know whether or not you're doing it right. When you inhale, chest expands. When you exhale, shoulders drop. And I'll do one real quick right now. Okay, so I'll go here sideways, relax. And I'm gonna take one deep breath in, hold it for five, and then let it out through my mouth. So deep breath in.
hopefully you were able to see the chest expanding and the shoulders dropping. Now, something else that can be very much key when you're doing your breathing exercises, it's important to sometimes maybe in your mind, go somewhere else. And so what I typically tell my patients is close your eyes and go to your happy place or memory. Something that can truly just relax you, make you happy. In other words, in your mind, you want to go somewhere else other than right here and dealing with this panic attack right now. So some people like to think about the beach, their honeymoon, their wedding, it depends, or the delivery of their first child if it was a positive experience. So it really can help if in addition to doing these breathing exercises, you're also closing your eyes and mentally going somewhere else. At least do the breathing exercises for two minutes. Two to five minutes can really make a big difference. Also, if you catch yourself feeling a little bit dizzy, and holding it for five seconds, drop it down to four. If four is also still making you feel dizzy, drop it down to three, okay? And those are just some very basic breathing exercises that you can try on your own if you feel like maybe you're starting to feel either a little bit anxious or if you feel like maybe a panic attack is a brewing. Awesome, thank you for those tips. And I love the breathing. Thanks for turning sideways too, so that we can see the visual. Great stuff. Thanks again, Adriana. My pleasure, Glenn. I love that presentation from Adriana and how she helped us identify panic attacks, their triggers, their symptoms, and to learn what we can do about them, both in the short term, breathing exercises, and believing in ourselves, and in the long term, maybe getting some cognitive behavioral therapy and examining our thought patterns, and if need be, to take some medication to help us through. I want to tell you about a time that I had a panic attack and how I got through it. Many years ago, when I was preparing to be a therapist, I had finished my master's degree at Cal State LA in marriage and family counseling, and I was getting ready to take my licensing test because I had finished my 2000 practicum hours that we had to do. I was nervous because I heard the statistics. There were two tests we had to pass back then. The first was a written test, and 55% of people passed it the first time. If you pass that test, then you qualify to take an oral test. 33% of the first-time applicants passed that test. I felt nervous about that. I thought, what happens if I'm part of the 45% that don't pass the first time of the written test, or part of the 69% that don't pass the oral test on the first time? I thought, I will have wasted my money, I will have wasted my time, and I had some real negative thoughts. And then I remembered something someone had told me about anxiety. Action over anxiety. Rather than worry and fret, what can we do about the situation that we're concerned about? Sometimes there's nothing we can do. And we just have to relax and say, we'll see what happens because we can't control everything in life. But in this case, I did have some control over whether I passed the test or not. And you can guess what I did. I came up with a plan that I would study very, very hard to increase the chance that I could pass these tests on the first time. So I invested in a program, I spent a few thousand dollars and I got some old written tests. You know, I don't know how legal that was. I had seven old tests that people had taken, but whatever, got them and that helped me. They sent me some flashcards and some other notebooks and study materials. 
and I made a plan where I would study about two hours a day for nine months. And I was very diligent in my studies, and I worked really hard. And I memorized lots of material, including seven tests of 225 questions each. That's a lot of questions. And I had taken those tests over and over. Well, anyway, the day came when it was time for me to take first that written test. I drove over to LAX and there was a nearby airport with a conference room in which we would take the written test. Parked a car, went into the conference room, and I stood in front of a touchscreen. I thought that was interesting that we were standing instead of sitting. Well, I began to get nervous and I started to do that what if stuff again. What if I don't pass? I will have wasted time. I will have wasted money. I went to college for this. My wife will be disappointed. She'll divorce me. My kids will disown me. We can get, we can really start to catastrophize sometimes, right? It'll be the end of the world. I'll be homeless. I won't have a job. That's not true. But sometimes in our mind, we go really negative. And I was starting to do that. I really was. Well, it was time to start the exam. There were 225 questions, as I've mentioned. They were multiple choice, and it was a touch screen. So as we would read the little story, we would touch A, B, C, or D. After we marked our answer, we had two choices. We could press a button that said, save for review, or we could press another button that said, submit. If you press submit, that was your final answer. As I read the questions, I haven't seen this question before. Well, of course I hadn't, but I think I had been reviewing those questions on the seven tests so many times. I think I thought they were going to have the exact same questions. Well, that's illogical, and that didn't happen. But it caused me to worry and to doubt myself and to panic and to think that I didn't know the answers and I couldn't pass this test. So the next thing you know, my heart is beating. My hands are sweating. My body is shaking. I'm afraid. I continue to take the tests, I don't know, maybe I'm 30, 40 questions in, but on most of them I was pressing save for later. I didn't have confidence in myself. I realized I was having a panic attack and I needed to go to the bathroom, do some breathing exercises like Adriana told us, calm myself down. So I told the proctor I needed to go to the bathroom. I didn't need to pee, I just needed to go to the bathroom to calm down. They sent someone to follow after me. They didn't trust me. I think they thought I was going to cheat or something on the test somehow, but they followed me into the bathroom. I went into the stall, sat on the toilet with my pants up because I didn't have to go and just started variations of breathing exercises to calm myself down. And since I was raised a person of faith, I then said a prayer. I said, my God, please help me. I'm panicking. I'm nervous and I'm worried. I want to pass this test. And a feeling came over me. You have studied for nine months. You worked hard. You were diligent. You worked hard in your university program. When you did your internship hours, you listened to your professors and their feedback. You know how to do this. You are meant to be a therapist. Don't doubt yourself. Even though you haven't seen the questions, you know the answers. I finished my breathing exercises walked back out to the touch screen, stood up there. What do you think I did? I went to all the ones where I had to press save for later and press submit, 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 submit. I know these answers and I trust myself. And besides, I don't have to get every single one right. I'll get enough right. I'm a safe therapist for the state of California. I'm destined to do this. I'm going to pass this test. And I did. Now, what if I hadn't? 
What if I had done my very best and I came up a little bit short? Would it have been the end of the world? Could I have retaken the test? Could I have saved up another $100 and paid for it? Could I have found where my weak spots in the test and restudied those areas? Of course I could have. It would not have been the end of the world if I didn't get it that time. I would have got it the second time. And if not the second time, I'd have got it the third time. I hope you trust yourself. I hope you believe in yourself. I hope you put in the work for whatever your goals are and that you insist until you get where you know in your heart that you need to be. And I hope that Adriana's counsel to you is something that's helpful to you. Adriana taught us that one thing we can do in a panic attack is to close our eyes and imagine we're going to one of our favorite places. Right now, you keep your eyes open, but my friend Victor Thompson is going to take us to a white sandy beach in Hawaii. Victor? Thank you, Glenn, and aloha, friends. My name is Victor Thompson, but it's good to be with all of you today. I want to share some music with you, which I know will help you, because as you know, we live in times of a lot of stress and anxiety, maybe the most we've ever had. So, so hopefully some of the tunes that we'll play today will be of help to you. This first song is from the island of Hawaii. My ancestors are from the islands. We're from the island of American Samoa. And my parents came here in 1950. So I was born in a very big island called Long Beach, California. <laughs> so, but think about this song and ask yourself, where is a place that I go to find peace? The place that I like to go is the ocean. So I hope you'll think about that place and think about maybe the ocean could be that place for you. Saw you in my dream We were walking hand in hand On the white sandy beach of Hawaii We were playing in the sun we were having so much fun on a white sandy beach of Hawaii. Sound of the ocean soothes my restless soul. Sound of the ocean Rocks me all night long Those hot long summer days Lying there in the sun On a white sandy beach of Hawaii Sound of the ocean Soothes my restless soul Sound of the ocean rocks me all night long. Last night in my dream, I saw your face again. We were there in the sun on a white sandy beach of Hawaii. On a white Sandy beach of Hawaii. 
you so much, friends. And that was White Sandy Beach. You can find the video version of this podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or on the website beinghappyanywaywithglenn.com. This channel does not provide therapeutic advice. It is intended for informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional medical diagnosis or treatment. Please seek advice with licensed therapists in your area.